Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. I hope if you're in the United States, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and thank you so much for tuning in today. You are in for such a treat. I can't wait for you to meet Tess Gerritsen. If you've never read her before, you are also in for a treat because there are over 30 books. So when you read this new book, The Spy Coast that just came out, you can go binge read a whole bunch of great thrillers. So You're in for a treat. Can't wait. If you've never read Tess before, I will read her bio so you can get to know her, and then we will find out more. Internationally best-selling author Tess Tess Gerritsen took an unusual route to a writing career. A graduate of Stanford University, Tess went on to medical school at University of California, San Francisco, where she was awarded her M.D., But while on maternity leave from her work as a physician, she began to write fiction. And in 1987, her first novel, Call After Midnight, was published. It was just the first of 32 suspense novels that she's written over a 36-year writing career. She also wrote a screenplay, Adrift, which aired as a 1993 CBS movie of the week starring Kate Jackson Tessa's 1996 medical thriller, Harvest, marked her debut on the New York Times bestseller list, and her novels have hit bestseller lists around the world ever since. Among her titles are Gravity, The Surgeon, Vanish, Listen to Me, and her new spy thriller, The Spy Coast, which has just been optioned by Amazon Studios for a television series. Yay! Her books have been translated into 40 languages, and more than 40 million copies have been sold around the world. I did put a link to Tessa's website right there on the Blog Talk site, so if you're listening live today or if you're listening later, you can click that and go to her website to find all of her books, and she has a blog there, and anyway, you're in for all kinds of information, so feel free to hit that anytime, and without any further delay, are you there, Tess? I'm right here. All right. And you're up in Maine, right? Did you have like a snowy, freezing Thanksgiving up there? No, Thanksgiving was fine, but today was quite wild uh, and windy. Uh, And as in all of New England, the weather has suddenly changed and now it's sunny. So (laughs) you just never know what's going to (laughs) happen. Well, gosh, you guys don't know whether you pull out your sweaters or your shorts. (laughs) No, we dress for everything. Uh, well, I'm super excited about the new book, and it's first in a new series for you, right? The Martini Club? Yes, it is. I didn't expect it to be a series, but by the time I finished this first book, I thought, oh, I'm going to miss these people. I want to know what happens next, and that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So do you think it will be like an ongoing series? I saw book two is already up for pre-order. Yeah, um, I'm I'm finishing up the second book now, and after that, we'll see. Um, It's, uh, you know, it's not going to be, The Summer Guest, which is the second book, won't be out until the spring of 2025, and we'll see where my my characters take me next. Oh, I love it. Well, what was the inspiration for The Spy Coast? Because it has an, you know, retired CIA agent spy, so how did you... You know, did she walk into your life, or how did you come up with that idea? 
Well, you know, this, uh, this um, kind of was dropped in my lap 33 years ago. I moved to this little town in Maine. Uh, my husband's a doctor, and he opened up a medical practice. When he was accepting new clients, new patients, he would ask them for their occupational history. And he'd hear this answer sometimes. I used to work for the government, but I can't talk about it. And when he heard that uh, several times, he said, who are these people? You know, (laughs) it's just a little town, 5,000 people. You know, who are these people that can't talk about their work? A real estate agent told us they're all retired CIA. And we found out later as, you know, we were digging into this community that our little street, I had a spy to the left of me and a spy to the right of me, retired. Um, And my son, one of his good friends, their parents were retired CIA from uh, the Vietnam era. So, yeah, they were all around us. um, And I just wondered what retirement was like for them. And they must have had interesting careers, right? They served overseas. They have this international um, uh, viewpoint. Uh, What do you do now in in this small town in Maine, far from pretty much all the politics that are happening around the world. And it took me three decades before I felt I was really ready to write a story. Part of it was that I needed to be older. I needed to feel like I, too, was on the verge of retirement and and getting into the mindset and really understanding what what it feels like to be ignored because of your, you know, your silver hair and your wrinkles. And um, that's when my character, Maggie Bird, came to me, just started talking to me. And that's, that was the beginning of the Spy Coast. Oh, I love that. And were you able to, like, interview your neighbors? Have you been collecting stories all this time, or they really, really can't ever tell you anything? Actually, what I do is I hear a lot of gossip. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hear stories about why are they here, what what made them move here. And, uh, yeah, a couple of theories have, have been told to me, um, sometimes by – relatives of the spies or by colleagues or by neighbors of the spies. They moved here um, partly because there used to be a lot of safe houses in Maine, and they were probably acquainted with the state back in the 60s and 70s. Um, it's a it's a very mind your own business town. Um, nobody really pries. They, you know, they give you your privacy up here. It's a beautiful place. It's far from any nuclear targets. Um, and I think it's it's developed this little core group of people who are um, highly educated and have international experience, and they just want to be with their, their former colleagues. Wow. Wow. And so I had to ask, because when I was poking around about the book and all of the exotic locales, I know you live in Maine, so that's the Maine setting, but did you travel to all of the exotic places to do book research have you been to all the places is it on your list <laughs> i i have been to all those places but i was not there for research I, you know i'm just i i call myself a lifelong tourist and i love <laughs> i love to go to interesting places so i've been to istanbul about five times um wow. it's a fascinating city i've been to bangkok i have been to milan i've been to london i've been to malta um, and I never really intended to write books about these places, but they're there in my in my memory. And when you want to write about a place that you've been to, you just sort of reach back into your mind and pull it out and, and try and remember mm-hmm. the things that with you. Um, any, anyway, anyone who reads this book is going to notice that there's a lot about food. <laughs> and that's, that's, when I travel.
travel, that is my, you know, that's what I love is to, to try something different. To, and um, so there's a lot about the food of Bangkok, the food of Turkey, um, and what it just feels like to walk down a street, um, uh, say, down in Istanbul. I love that. Yeah, when I am writing a series somewhere new, I always like to go for that same reason is that when you go on Google, no matter how great you are at all your research, you can't get the smells or how the air feels or, you know, where the regulars go kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Did you were yeah. you able to pull those details into all the travels in the book? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I certainly try to, and um, I, I think that it's, it's funny because you can go on Google, you can get all the geography right, right. Uh, you can get the, you know, the language right, but there's just some little extra text, you know, what's that, textural details, essential um, yeah. details that probably just kind of flow out of your writing without thinking about it if you have been there. Right, right. I totally agree, and. And this particular book, having um, was it fun for you to have an older cast? Because a lot of times, especially for spy thrillers, I would think there aren't a lot of them with, you know, an, a retired cast. How was that? Yeah, no, it was especially fun. Uh, the, the truth is, when I watch spy movies or read spy novels, it feels like so many of them are these young, uh, athletic people who can do, you know, leap over buildings and, and do all kinds of superhuman things, and they always have a gun. You know, there's lots of gunplay. Right. Um, and I wanted, I wanted this to be more on an intellectual level, on what is it like psychologically to be in the world of espionage. You know, what is it like to live in a world of mirrors uh, where you're not sure you can trust, uh, you can't tell the truth? Um, how does that affect your, your marriage um, the people you love, uh, your relationships. Um, it's sort of the long-term ev- um, effects of being in espionage. So that that was my focus. And um, it was also fun to see how old people go about it. <laughs> you know? Right. They can't, they can't run. They can't run as fast as they could, uh, no matter how fit they are. They, ha- they really have to rely on their, um, their experience and, um, and their smarts. And that's, um, it's a different kind of a spy novel. Yeah, and it mentions in the blurb about the local police chief, and so I, I'm wondering, do do you get into the police procedural procedural? Because I know a lot of times the feds and local police don't get along, and they don't want to share, and all that kind of thing. Were you able to dig into that from a whole different angle because they're retired CIA? Yeah, well, I I love this police chief. Okay, she's she's like the um, the alter. She's she is almost the conflict in this book. Um, <laughs> she's only in her thirties. Her name is Joe Thibodeau. She's a multi generational Mainer. She knows the local. You know, she knows her town. She protects her town. She's a good solid cop, but she's not. She's not uh, like these very sophisticated older people. She doesn't travel. So it's like this, the young, it's a generational conflict between her and um, these older spies. And it's also a local versus people from away conflict, um, which it's, it's, it's uh, very common here in Maine. If you've been here for generations, you look at people from away and wonder, what, you know, how long are you going to last and will you go away? <laughs> so um, that's, that was, that was I, I think, Joe came of my experience with just being here for 33 years and, and knowing 
knowing Mainers and, and admiring them. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was fun putting her in in that story. There is some local uh, police stuff. Um, when you're a local small town cop, you do not investigate murders. That goes to the state police. So there's another oh. conflict. Joe is she's a very smart smart young woman, and here's a murder on her doorstep, and she feels shut out by the state police because they're the ones who are officially in charge. Oh, I see. Wow. And were you able to go to, I mean, have you for your other books maybe too, gone to the main state police to find out, you know, interview and see how they, how they work? I've spoken to a couple of them. I mean, you know, I meet them off and on, especially um, every so often I will go to a, there is a forensic ecology course that's always held every summer in Maine, and it's attended by state police. Uh-oh. It's attended by all, you know, levels of law enforcement. And, you know, you sit around in a bar and you drink beers and you hear stories, and, and um, that's, I think that would be the extent of how much I, I have interrogated them. <laughs> Oh, well, that that sounds like probably the best way to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, and and especially, you know, because this is a small state, we have only a million people in the entire state. A lot of parts of Maine are just completely uninhabited. It's it's a very wild state. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just just being able to write in in this particular milieu of uh of um people and communities who are isolated from each other by geography, but also know each other across, you know, town lines. It's it's like the biggest the biggest small neighborhood. That's what I would call the state of Maine. I mean <laughs> you don't know when you go and when you go and take your trash to the dump, I mean a lot of us don't have trash pickup, we take it to the dump. There's a good chance you will meet um uh, your governor there dumping his oh my trash gosh. as well. So <laughs> So, so it's, I have to, yeah, I have to ask if you've met any of Stephen King's monsters up there in Maine. <laughs> you know, this is the safest state in the country. And, well, until Lewiston. Lewiston was a wake-up call for for the state because we we just don't have that much right. in the way of major crimes up here, and that was a shock for everybody. But mm-hmm. in terms of our general crime rate, it's a very safe place. So, so you have not met monsters in the woods from? <laughs> no. No, okay. I mean, we don't even have poisonous snakes up here. So, wow. Okay, you don't even have animals that want to kill you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, by, maybe accidentally um, by by hitting them on the road. <laughs> That's about <laughs> it. Um, we do have black bears, but they're not like black bears in other parts of the country. Um, our black bears oh. are very scared of, of people. Oh. So it's 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 funny how you get into this little corner and animals that might be dangerous elsewhere just don't seem to be as dangerous up here. Wow. Do you guys have moose? Do you have big angry moose we, up there? We have big moose. Um, I, You know, every so often someone will die when they hit a moose on the highway, but that's oh, not the right. moose's fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, moose was, the moose lived here before there was a highway. <laughs> he was just minding his business. Yeah, yeah. But they're scary. I mean, I've, I've encountered them, and they're they're just... They're prehistorically huge. Um, yeah, they're so big. For the most part, I know, for the most part, they're kind of like cows. 
Well, we were talking before the show about that that Amazon is has optioned the Spy Coast, and we were talking about how fun it would be to see, you know, a basically a spy thriller TV show with an older cast. Are are you? Can you give us any hints about you know who would be in your dream cast? Oh, well, yeah, I can give you hints, but <laughs> who, who knows what will happen. I'm, you know, I've, and I've heard so many great names uh, bandied mm-hmm. about for Maggie Bird. Um, somebody said, well, Jodie Foster would be great. She's now in her <gasps> 60s. Yes. Um, yeah, I know. I can see I can see her having the necessary uh, chops to, mm-hmm. to play a, fire, a former spy. Um, yeah. I, th- I thought of Annette Benning. She's the right age as well. Um, yes, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I love mm-hmm. Kristen Scott. A lot of these actors are busy now with other projects, so I'm not sure you could ever land them. But um, you know, it would be but it would be so be much awesome. fun to see people. I know, wouldn't it be awesome to see see people in all their in in their full age? You know, not all made up and looking 20 years younger than they are, but actually looking right. their age. Right, right. Well, and I think. I think Jodie Foster and Annette Benning are in a movie together right now on uh, Netflix, oh, I think, the swimming yes. swimming one, right? Nyad, something like yeah. that? Right. I know. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm sending that out to the universe, so you let me know when they get signed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you're like a big time plotter or a pantser when you write, but did you have like a big surprise when you were writing the book? Like it took a right turn and you thought, oh my gosh, this wasn't where I thought we were going. <laughs> I I did. I mean, it, a lot of the story is um, told uh, about Maggie's past. She's um, the, the present is she's dealing with a dead body in her driveway but it, um, it is a reminder of what happened um, years before when she quit the CIA. And that past story um, is what surprised me um, because it's all about how she fell in love and married the man of her, you know, the, the, the love of her life. What happened to that romance, I did not know. I mean, I didn't know until I actually got to that point in the book uh, of what happened to Danny, her husband. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, there there are many ways to to go about. Okay, she's in love. Can she trust him? Can she not trust him? Um, and I think that a lot of spy novels will want to put in a twist there. The man you love turns out to be somebody completely different. Um, right. And I wanted to put a twist on the twist. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that that's the point where um, it all kind of came together, and I realized it was really. Um, I understand now why she's such a haunted woman. Oh, okay. I love that. And did you have a favorite scene when you were writing the book that, you know, just that scene makes you smile every time you think about it? <laughs> well, I think the the scene that I, my favorite scene is one that actually made me cry um, because that was the scene when I, when I did find out or in my own mind, it became clear to me what happened to Danny. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. so, but the fun, you know, the fun scenes, the ones that make you laugh are the ones that have to do with, her friends, her former retired CIA friends who also live in her little town. And when they get together for their so-called book group, <laughs> they're, they're really there to drink and gossip. Um, and when they get together, it's always funny because they're a diverse group that have, you know, great memories of their past, but um, still have the smarts about us uh, about them for the present. Yeah. And I was reading um, in the, 
on your website, there were book club questions and things about each of them having special skills. And I hadn't even thought of that, but are each of them different? Like, you know, one is, is good at checking books and one is good at chasing people down. Do they all have different, where they, you know, have different fortes of their spy work? Well, I mean, the men uh, obviously have a little more muscle, <laughs> and <laughs> and the the woman uh, Ingrid Slocum, who is uh, the only other woman in the group, she seems to be a very expert at tracking down locales of people where to find people who have gone missing. Um, and Maggie's just sort of a, a, a jack of all trades, but together they're like one giant brain, and they all bring together uh, insight. I think is really what it is. They 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 can. They can look at a puzzle and they can come at it from different ways, um, but they're all very skilled. And does Joe find out, does she know that they're ex-CIA or does she find out or is it she all slowly? She slowly, yeah. It, it takes her a while because she just thinks <laughs> they're old people. And, and this, right. is, this is really one of the themes is that, um, you never know who that gray-haired man used to be. You don't know. You assume things about him, but he may have a very, very colorful past. And um, that's that's her that's her um, initial coming is that she she doesn't have the imagination to look beyond their gray hair. Um, but um, it, it becomes clear that something's different about them. Uh, that they're always on the scene before she gets there. Um, <laughs> they always seem to come to conclusions before she does. And uh, I think the first hint she gets is when the dead body's found on Maggie's driveway and um, Joe wants to see Maggie's, uh, uh, she thinks it's a ring camera. She sees this little camera at the porch and says, mm-hmm. can, I, can I look at your home security system? And Maggie reluctantly has to show her and um to Joe's shock, it's not just a ring camera. It's like a 12-channel total security <laughs> system covering every inch of, of Maggie's farm. And that's when Joe thinks, who is this woman? <laughs> you know? Right. I thought she was just a chicken farmer. What is all this? So it's, it, it should have been her first clue that she's not dealing with an average 60-year-old chicken farmer. Right, right. It makes me think of Chicken Run. The chickens are, the chickens are organizing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is there any kind of romance, romantic subplot in in this one? Um, I know usually in thrillers there's some kind of romance sneaking in there. Well, the, the, I think the major big romance is how she fell in love with her husband, and we see that in in uh, in flashback. Um, well, and that's okay. that's the primary romance, but there is. A secondary romance that's kind of off in the on the off stage um, that Maggie's not even aware of that it's there oh. and there's a man who's in love with her and has never told her. Um, oh. And here, it, here it's forty years later. <laughs> he's finally going to get up the nerve to. I mean, he, here this man is you know five, but he just around her he's kind of like all tongue tied. So, oh my goodness. Um, uh, that's the sweet part about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Unrequited senior love is wonderful. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, what's next for you? You said you're finishing up book two. Yes, it's called the Summer Guest. Uh, it takes. It, it's much more of a local story with the with the Martini Club and with the local police chief as they work together to find a teenage girl who's gone missing. Um, and when they drag the pond where they 
think she has drowned instead of the girl they find a skeleton that's been there for decades and they don't know what this other story has to do with the missing girl so um, oh. it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of CIA stuff in there but it's uh, a, you know same old group coming back oh, I love it love it <laughs> Well, real quick, um, when I was reading your bio, I know that there are a lot of people who are listening who are going, wow, you were a doctor and you became a writer. Um, <laughs> how did that How did that happen? And did you start out writing medical thrillers? When did you decide you think maybe, <laughs> maybe after all oh. that doctor work, I think maybe I want to write a book? Yeah, you know, I was a writer before I became a doctor. I I told my dad when I was seven years old that I wanted to be, I wanted to write Nancy Drew books. Nancy Drew likes books. Mm -hmm. And um, he he just said, no, you can't support yourself that way. You really should do something in the sciences. So that's that's how I ended up in medical school is um, I was following the advice of my father. Um, but then after I had finished medical school and was working as a resident, um, I had my first child. And maternity leave was my chance to write my first book. So <laughs> I, I went I back to what it. I'd always wanted. Yeah, and, and the first book I wrote was a romance novel. I found, um, first of all, I was reading a lot of romance. It was such a stress reliever, you know. Right. It, it's a the happily ever after happily ever after yeah right you want that you want that when you're when you're working on a on a job that has a lot of tragedy um so that's i started off writing romance and i eventually wrote my first medical thriller um you know a decade later wow okay and um do you ever do you ever miss doctoring or really it sounds like your first love was writing so yeah, yeah, I lo- you know I love what I do. Um, it, sometimes interspersed with interspersed with I hate what I do. <laughs> I, you're a writer, so you you know what yes. it's like. And when it's going yes. great, it's like this is the best job in the world. And when it's not going well, you think, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Why can't pick- I work at the post office? <laughs> right, I, I, I'd rather be out pulling weeds. I mean, that's that's right. when you know it's really bad. <laughs> yes, that's when the book is going bad. When you're like, I've written all these books. How could I have forgotten how? <laughs> that's right, and you forget. It's it's like childbirth. You just forget how awful it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one time I read Nora Roberts' blog, and she had posted something about that she had written 120 books, but this book makes me think that now I'm finished. And I thought, you know, if Nora Roberts has doubts, <laughs> then and I can too. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, then that's like halfway through her 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 uh, her, her know, long career, her yes. bibliography. So she thought she was finished halfway through. I know, I know, I feel that way all the time. It just it just <laughs> goes with it goes with the profession. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, for any aspiring writers who are listening, what is your favorite advice to give to people who want to become a thriller writer like you? Um, my first advice is don't don't give up in the middle of the book. It may be going badly, but just just keep on writing until you get to the end of the first draft, because that's when I realize what the story is really about when I finish the first draft. <laughs> um, and don't be afraid to write badly. I write badly all the time now. I mean, look back at my first drafts, and they are horrible. Uh, but it's in the maybe by the third draft, it starts to look like a book. 
Um, so yeah, just permission to write a bad page. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because you, um, you know, you can edit anything, but you can't if you haven't written it down. <laughs> so that's right. That's right. Perfect. You know, the quest for perfection is our biggest enemy. I think uh, when you're when you're writing the early drafts. Yeah, I think that's true because you can rewrite a paragraph fifty times and still not be happy with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then if you never get beyond that paragraph, then then you'll never finish the book. So um, I try not to edit while I'm writing my first draft because if I stop to edit, I will re I will edit and edit and edit that page until um, until I I you know edit the life out of it. And once you've done that, then you get bored with your story and you never finish. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah, because you end up editing out your voice and pretty soon you just think, oh, <laughs> I hate it. No right. one else will like it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, well, um, before we run out of time, how can readers who get super excited, how can they get in touch with you? Do you have a newsletter? Are you on social media? How do they yeah, um, I have my website, TessGarrison.com. I am also on uh, what used to be called Twitter, just because it's so easy <laughs> to use, even though I'm, I'm very discouraged with the, with the uh, direction it's taking. Yeah. I am on Facebook. Um, and um, if they want to email me, they can do it through my website. Oh, great. Okay. And do you have a, a newsletter so they don't miss out on any new releases? Yeah. They can um, they can subscribe to the newsletter. Um, I will not bombard them. In fact, I think the the newsletter I sent out last month was the first one I'd done in years. So <laughs> I just I just try to alert people when there are um, a new things, new projects about to come out. Oh, fun! Okay, well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And thank you, thank you for the conversation. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Can't wait. Everyone go out and grab The Spy Coast. It's book one of the Martini Club, so you'll be right in at the beginning. And hopefully we'll get a lot more books and a TV show. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. That's right. Thanks for being here, Tess. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.